0: I think just the way that our medical system is set up, it's not necessarily your doctor's fault that they're not listening to you. It's that they're so backloaded with patients that they have the pressure of like seeing the amount of people that they do. And so we're just at a shortage almost um, of people to help everyone who's struggling during these times uh, with digestive issues, which is a lot of people.
1: Welcome to the Let's Start Health podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Haynes. We live in a noisy world, and this space is intended to bring you clarity, enrich your bank of wellness knowledge, and inspire you to kickstart your journey to healing body, mind, and soul. I'll be interviewing industry professionals and bringing you raw, real, and personal stories of healing through gut health, intuitive eating, and the power of the abundance mindset. Thank you so much for tuning in and getting curious. Your journey to healing starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Start Health, where we start the raw, real, and vulnerable conversations needed to educate and inspire your journey to healing. I am your host, gut health coach, Chelsea Haynes, and I am so, so, so honored and grateful to have a fellow gut guru today. Dr. Heather Finley has her doctorate in clinical nutrition, and she is helping people find relief from gut and mood issues by identifying the triggers. Heather, you you share so much powerful information uh, for all of us out here in the world, walking gut health, and I'm just so honored and grateful to learn from you and also to have you here on the podcast today. So I'd love to hand the microphone over and just ask you to introduce yourself and share with us a little bit who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah,
0: thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Like she said, my name is Dr. Heather Finley. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm based in Dallas, Texas, and my specialty is helping women find relief from their gut symptoms that inhibit them from living their lives by identifying the root causes and coming up with sustainable and actionable, both nutrition and
1: lifestyle tips. Amazing. I love it so much. And Heather, I know you've have gone on a healing journey yourself. You've shared a little bit with that about um, both not only in your own body, but also in a close family member. So if you don't mind, we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Would you please walk us through a little bit of your personal healing journey and how you know this has affected not only yourself, but also your family?
0: Yeah. So I am passionate about gut health for s- several reasons. One being that I suffered from chronic constipation and bloat for more years than I care to remember, um, and then also had a parent. My dad was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer very unexpectedly when I was a senior in college, and he was the healthiest person that I knew, or so I thought. And it came out of nowhere, and it was it hit me like a ton of bricks because he was the guy that had never been sick a day in his life, and was running marathons and coaching softball teams and working really hard and never missed a beat and then all of a sudden to see him suffering and struggling with a very severe diagnosis was really hard and unfortunately he lost his battle to colon cancer about a year after his diagnosis but at the time I didn't know what I knew what I know now about gut health and how it is so interconnected with everything else in the body. And of course you can't play the shoulda, woulda, coulda game. Um, Cause that's not fair, but uh, you know, that, that did inspire me to continue learning as much as I can about gut health because sometimes your issues may not show up until it's a really severe thing. And so encouraging people to just take ownership of their health and also be advocates for themselves is really important. Um, And then also on my personal side of the story, it's similar. I mean, of course I don't have that severe of a diagnosis like my dad, but I chronically suffered from constipation from the day I can remember. And I didn't advocate for myself um, until it was really bad. And I think because I was embarrassed about my issues and because I felt like maybe this is just normal because this is the way that I've always felt, I didn't tell my parents how bad it was until it was really, really bad. And then they were very confused as to why I was just then sharing with them how miserable I felt. So of course, at the time, we didn't know as much as we know now about nutrition and gut health. Um, And so having, having said all that, it's been quite a journey. Um, Part of the reason I think selfishly I became a dietitian was to figure out my own issues. Um, I was also a competitive swimmer and swim in college and I, wanted to study nutrition for that reason as well. I wanted to know how I could swim fast, but I also want to know how I could not be so bloated and miserable every day. So it was a combination of several things. So, yeah.
1: Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And you know, this, you're exactly right. I mean, the gut, the gut is everything (laughs) is the center of, Uh, our whole lives. And like you said, studies and sciences, well, what I would like, what I always like to say is finally catching up with antiquity, right? With Hippocrates and, you know, all disease either starts in the gut or ends up landing there, right? And, and, And I think there's common phrases out there like trusting your gut instinct. And, you know, there's, there's a reason why this has seeped into our lives in such common forms. And I'm so grateful now for science that is doing research into the gut microbiome and really studying how important actually our gut is in our role of our immune system and serotonin levels and you know how everything is truly connected between this gut brain axis and you know I'd love to ask you if you don't mind sharing what were maybe some of the symptoms well I guess first let's start with your dad if you don't mind and and I just want to share that I My condolences. And, you know, we also just lost my husband's father last year to stage four stomach cancer. So Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to see how, you know, in January, there was no sign that, as far as we could see, reflecting back now, there, you know, I think some rapid weight loss, you know, hindsight is everything, you know, but at the time, you just think, oh, dad looks great and he's vibrant and healthy and, and he must be exercising a lot like he says he is and you know what might have been some of the signs or ultimately what got your dad to go to the doctor so that way for anyone listening to this maybe they can start to see some of these signs a little bit sooner
0: yeah it's actually a crazy story so like I said when he was diagnosed I was in college and it was spring break of my senior year semester when he actually did get diagnosed but prior to that in the fall Uh, He was actually supposed to be coming to Texas for dad's weekend for both my sister and I's sorority. And I remember getting a call from my mom and she said, dad's not going to make it. And I was like, dad's always at everything. Like, of course he's going to be there. And she's like, he's just not feeling good. And that was weird for me to hear because he always felt good. He He never took a day off work to be sick. He was perfectly healthy. And so That sent him on a journey. He actually was having some weird heart issues um, and ended up having a stress test. And it's kind of a long story, but through that, he eventually landed at the GI doctor, um, discovering that it was actually stage four colon cancer, not anything wrong with his heart. So, after going through a multitude of tests and actually ended up having to have a stent placed in his heart, That was in like November, December. Finally, in like March, uh, he ended up getting diagnosed. So it was kind of a weird path, but again, it does show your gut and your body are connected. So although he did have these heart things going on, um, it probably was caused or connected to, at least in some way, his his digestive symptoms that we just didn't know about. So it was somewhat of a blessing in disguise, in that he wouldn't have discovered that he had stage four colon cancer and maybe it would have been even more aggressive than it was. Um, and so we did get that year with him. Um, but he would have never known, um, honestly. And I wish I could go back and ask, like, I could ask him, what were, what were your signs? Um, or, you know, how did you know that maybe something was wrong? But it really all started at the cardiologist, um, not the
1: GI doctor. Isn't that so interesting? My sister-in-law as well also lost her mom to um, cancer in her small intestines. And it's just so interesting to me to see now these patterns. In the case of my husband's dad, it was um, a prostate thing. So he was kind of having these like prostate issues for a little while. It didn't really seem it was annoying, but other than that, you know, he tested for prostate cancer, nothing came up. And that was like for a while before uh, it wasn't until he started having these really odd symptoms in like, from like march like maybe march and what happened was he had a tooth that had to get pulled which is also really interesting to look at like chinese medicine and how our teeth are related to different organs of our body i'd be curious to know which tooth it was that he had to get pulled but then he had a really bad reaction to the antibiotics which obviously that was because he had a tumor in his stomach you know it, it was but it it didn't seem so uncommon to react to antibiotics that it, it it's amazing. He wasn't even diagnosed until July. So it's so interesting. Like you said, the path to that diagnosis, I think can, uh, it's not the first thing that people look for. And I almost feel like it should be. <laughs> I know. And it's such an interesting journey. So, well, you know, and, and I'm sure for your family that, you know, the emotional toll on everything. And it also for me kind of begs the question of, you know, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, from what I hear and, and the life that your dad was living was this very vibrant life and he never took a sick day. And, you know, it it all. I almost wonder if, especially with the pressures that we live in now in this society, and especially men who have to put on this role, whether they have to or not, or they desire to or want to, right, to be that go-getter that we all aspire to be, that performer, that go, 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 how that could have played a role in our overall health and wellness. And I'm curious in your own personal story, you know, in regards to the constipation, for example, you mentioned, uh, it got really bad and and a common thing in your mind was, well, you know, this is just normal. And um, I have, Dr. Golightly on a quarterly series, Living Lightly with Dr. Golightly. And we talk about that on our last episode. She says, you know, so much I hear is, well, this just is normal for me. So what was it for you where you finally said, okay, this is really bad? Was it the pain? Was it the discomfort? Was it the understanding that you weren't going to the bathroom enough?" Yeah. I mean,
0: not to get to TMI, but um, nothing's really TMI. I was going to say, we love a poop talk over here. (laughs) So actually uh, it all happened. I was, I think 13, um, maybe 12. Um, I was on a trip with my family. Actually, we had gone to San Francisco and we were visiting some family. And I remember like so vividly, we sat down at a restaurant and my dad looked at me and he said, Heather, what do you want to order? And I just broke down in tears and I'm like, I can't eat. I'm so constipated. And, like, the waiter came up and was just, like, so uncomfortable because I'm, like, telling my dad how constipated I was. And I remember actually leaving the restaurant with my mom, and I think my parents were probably just, like, what the heck is going on? Like, we had no idea. But oddly enough, a couple weeks ago, actually, my sister found a picture of us on that trip, and it's insane I look six months pregnant. I mean, I was 12 years old. Obviously, I was not pregnant. And um, at the time, and um, I look it like it's insane how bloated I was. And so I think I just, again, I thought it was normal. Um, And so that was kind of the breaking point where I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me. But yeah you know, my parents took me to doctors and got checked out. Everyone told me I was normal and honestly just kind of lived like that until college because I just thought this is normal. Like everyone's telling me I'm fine. So there must be nothing wrong. So therefore I'm normal. And then finally in college, I started somewhat putting the pieces together, but it actually really wasn't even until after college, after my dad passed away, my stomach issues got even worse. And I think then it was. I realized the gut-brain connection and how much stress and trauma can affect your gut. Um, And so that's when I really started making progress and actually advocating for myself and seeing the right kind of doctors and the right practitioners and recognizing that what I was experiencing, although all the medical tests came back as normal or they just said just take Miralax or whatever, um, I realized there's more to this and I can feel better. Um, and thankfully I do.
1: So thank God. So for anyone listening to this, who might be like, man, I really relate to a lot of what she's saying, who are those right doctors and how do they begin advocating for themselves? Like how does someone start that journey? Mm
0: -hmm. That's a hard one. I mean, you just like finding someone that you mesh with and you feel comfortable with. And I think that's why, a lot of women end up in my program is because they just want someone to like walk step-by-step with them through this and listen to them. Um, But, you know, starting with your GI doctor, if you feel like you're not being listened to find a new one or go in with a list of things that you're experiencing and ask them to listen to you until you're finished reading through the list until you get the answer that you want. So There are so many great practitioners out there, and you just have to find them. Yes,
1: I love that. And really, just I think walking in there with a list is really important because I think all of us can relate to that experience of that like white coat syndrome, you know, even as a patient, you know, where that doctor walks in, and no matter how great their bedside manner might be it still is intimidating. And just like what you shared as well, potentially embarrassing. You know, there's this feeling of shame. Like, and I know with my own personal journey with autoimmune disease, it was this feeling of like, just like what you said, feeling shunned almost and like, oh, here, just take this steroid cream. You're fine. You're fine. Like there's nothing coming back. Like everything's, you're normal. You just have these rashes on your skin, which I'm like, that, that, that doesn't add up for me. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. understand that. So really digging deeper and like you said, going in with a list I think can be really helpful and then just really insisting (laughs) to not leave there until you feel heard. And also digging deeper. you know, I think finding that those alternative to that Western mindset, which again, I will always say, and for anybody that's listened to my podcast before, you know that I am an advocate of Western medicine and it's amazing for acute care. But when it comes to these Chronic symptoms that we're feeling, we're just not quite caught up in the game yet. And then we add that layer of insurance and finances, which is another layer of stress, which doesn't help any of these symptoms. So it's its definitely... Um, an interesting journey to walk and I'm so grateful for people like you you know health coaches like myself people who are interested in maybe being that bridge I think and I think it's a great place to start for someone to say hey you know I need some help and you guys like know a little bit more than what I do so ask for help
0: (laughs) for help and advocate for yourself and keep searching
1: I have really exciting news to share, and that is my dear friend, Dr. Carly Golightly. You've heard her here on Let's Start Health podcast mini-series, Living Lightly with Dr. Golightly, where we talk about digestible science and all of the things, and I are collaborating. I am upgrading my elite one-on-one, four-month coaching program to include GI map testing. Y'all, this is so cool. By testing the DNA of our gut microbiome organisms, this amazing test gives us insight into all of the bacteria, viruses, and protozoa, in other words, those potential parasites and worms that might be present in our gut, as well as any opportunistic organisms you know those ones that if they're given the opportunity to grow and create problems like autoimmune disease and SIBO they will (laughs) but what i love most about this test is that it also shows us a breakdown of the good organisms and bacteria present and we can look at if we need to support these guys in any different way than we currently are based on the results of this test Dr. Golightly and I will be able to create a comprehensive healing protocol based on your unique needs. For more information and to book a free discovery call, simply go to my website, chelseahaynescoaching.com forward slash contact. Book a call and I cannot wait to get to know you a little bit more and help aid you on this journey to truly optimized health.
0: I think just the way that our medical system is set up, it's not necessarily your doctor's fault that they're not listening to you. It's that they're so backloaded with patients that they have the pressure of like seeing the amount of people that they do. And so we're just at a shortage almost um, of people to help everyone who's struggling during these times uh, with
1: digestive issues, which is a lot of people. So Yeah. And I'd love to ask a question on that topic. You know, we we are seeing this kind of consistent rise in just maybe, maybe it's just because the conversation is becoming more normalized to talk about poop or lack thereof it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I'm i curious your thoughts on, you know, you share so much, especially on your amazing Instagram account. So we will definitely be sure to link that below for anyone listening. Please definitely go follow Dr. Heather. And you talk so much about lifestyle and and the pressures and the stress, and I would also add even grief and trauma. So, what do you think is your personal um, perspective on like the root causes of a lot of these GI stuff? Like, how does someone's trauma and grief and life experiences directly play that role into how often we're going to the bathroom? It seems kind of like you know, offhand, it's like, oh, how is that even related? But in your experience it very much is can you speak on that a little bit
0: yeah they definitely are so one of the first things that i do with my clients is actually have them take a quiz mm. and the reason i'm bringing this up is because yeah. it's fresh on my mind i did it last night with a group of women who started my program awesome. and the quiz helps to just kind of narrow down some of the top uh, triggers for their symptoms and almost all of them their top trigger was chronic stress mm. and Stress can wreak havoc on the gut. It affects the way that you digest and absorb your food. It affects gut motility or the movement of stool through your intestines. It affects the vagus nerve. It affects everything. And so if you kind of think of it like top down, if you're starting with your head and moving down, that's kind of what we have to do. Like, how are your thoughts? How's your mindset? How's your stress? How's your sleep? All of that. And that can foster then adequate stomach acid, adequate digestive enzymes, adequate digestion and absorption of your food, which then fosters a good gut environment in your intestines, which then fosters good bowel movement. So it's hard to just focus on food or just focus on one thing. You have to really focus on everything because they all are connected. and. That being said, I think people sometimes overfocus on food where they feel like, well, if I can just get my diet right, then I'll go to the bathroom. But the reality is usually that's not the problem. Mm. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it is so many other things. It's bacterial overgrowth, low stomach acid, Mm. chronic stress, poor gut motility, all things that we need to
1: address to find relief long-term. Yeah. I love that so much. So it's so true, because when you think about this, it's like, in theory, if all the systems are operating on full, um, full steam, no mm-hmm. matter what you eat, it'll come out the other side. <laughs> yes. So, yes. you know, and I, and I always say this as well to my clients as well, like, yes, we will look at food and our relationship with food and the nutrient density that you are consuming on a daily basis. But even more importantly, like, are you even breaking down that food? No matter what it is, like you said, if you have low stomach acid or chronic stress or bacterial overgrowth or motility issues like that, no matter how, quote unquote, healthy that food you think is, because that's a whole nother topic of conversation, right? Dogmatically healthy foods and not healthy foods. If you're not efficiently breaking it down and absorbing nutrients and eliminating toxins, we, we it doesn't even really matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah your body can utilize from that food
1: yes exactly so how might somebody know so you offer a quiz so for to help someone to really kind of start digging into but how might somebody know that there might be someone something deeper going on do you offer further testing or like if someone for example how do I know if I have motility issues or bacterial overgrowth how might someone walking down the street know that
0: yeah so motility I mean, if you're not having regular bowel movements and you don't feel completely empty after you have a bowel movement, that's a pretty good clue you have a motility issue. Mm -hmm. Also, if you've had bouts of food poisoning, typically that affects motility. So that's definitely something that we would want to look at. Um, Bacterial overgrowth can show up in so many ways. It can look like bloating. It can look like skin issues. It can look like bad breath. It could look like um, constipation, diarrhea. Um, There's so many... Things that could show up most commonly the the reason that people come to me is constipation and bloat, um, but I mean you could have gut issues and not be constipated and bloated. Um, you just might not know it. So. There is testing that we can do to look at that. Um, There's also like assessments that we can do to kind of rule things out. Um, And it's a lot of tweaking and trial and error and putting the pieces together. Gut health is one big puzzle. So we have to put all the pieces together and make them fit together.
1: Yeah, I love that too. And I always say, if someone says to me they don't have gut issues, (laughs) I always say, well, healing it further will never hurt. That is only going to help, yeah, exactly. And it's amazing, too, how even you know we mentioned you know serotonin and the happy you know the happy feeling neurotransmitter, and and it's recently been shown, when I say recently, you know, that majority of it is actually made in our gut, not in our brain where we formerly might have thought it was. So you know, even anxiety, and you mentioned a lot about mood issues when people come to you, and it's so interesting how it's a two-way street, right? When we are, Feeling down and out, I would say stressed because emotions are on a spectrum and none of them are good or bad. And I actually think it's very healing and important to feel all of our feelings. And I think numbing out and suppressing our emotions is one of the biggest factors to gut issues that I've seen, you know, not only myself, but also in my family and and a lot of my clients as well. So learning how to be emotionally intelligent and how to cope with emotions on the spectrum, I think is very important on the aspect of healing. However, when it comes to that chronic stress, now, and I think it's also important too to define chronic stress and also normal bowel movement. So at least one bowel movement every single day, for sure, (laughs) if not two or three, you know, Um, ideally for sure one every single day. So if you're not going poop every single day, hop on the phone. Um, But how might you define chronic stress. And how does someone know? Cuz I also have a lot of clients who say, "Well, I operate well under stress or that stress is good for me." And how might you decipher the difference between like a healthy bit of stress versus like that chronic stress that is starting to now affect our gut health and then we'll kind of talk about how it's that two-way street.
0: Yeah, that's a great question and something I hear a lot, too. Well, I I work well under stress and I myself have said that so many times in the past also and it's Still, one of the things that I work on constantly because I am a very stressed, busy person. So I have to figure out ways to manage that. Um, But one of the questions that I ask my clients is how do you adapt to stress? So do you get amped up very easily? Let's say your day is going along fine, you think everything's good, and then all of a sudden you spill your coffee. Do you like react in a way that might lend itself that? maybe you're a little bit stressed and like overly upset that you just spilled your coffee when normally you'd be like, Oh man, I just spilled my coffee. That's a bummer. Um, or you hit traffic and it just, you cannot manage it. So if the little things in your life are adding stress, that's probably a sign that you're too stressed. Mm. Um, if it's, if you're, it's affecting your relationships, that's probably a sign that you're too stressed as well. Um, if it's affecting your sleep, and you can't yeah. sleep, that is a sign you are overly stressed, in addition to that. Um, but I mean, chronic stress like that's kind of a hard term to define because mm. for everybody that can be a little different. But if you are struggling with like managing your day to day, I feel like that's a good way to, yes. um, define it, and then also just some stress is good. It's not that you don't want to have no stress in your life because stress is what gets you out of bed in the morning. In some sense, cortisol, your stress hormone does wake you up in the morning, but you don't want to have chronically elevated cortisol where your body feels like it's being chased by a tiger all the time either. So yeah, when it starts showing up, affecting your relationships, your energy, your sleep, maybe your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. If you feel really dizzy and shaky after meals, nauseous, that could be a a stress adaptation as
1: well. Yeah, these are really, really good examples. And, you know, I think there's times in all of our lives where we can relate to those things. And, And like you said, not all stress is bad. Like, I think that's another sort of dogma or mindset that we need to kind of unlearn is that it's sort of like the concept of weightlifting and exercise, like the whole point of exercising is to put your body in a state of a little bit of stress. So that way you can rest and essentially rebuild and and strengthen. But I think all too often, we just keep hitting override. We think we need to do more exercise to beat the blow. We think we need to do more dieting to beat the blow. And in reality, it's probably a lot about pulling it back and really shifting from that, what I call the baseline that we're operating from, which most of us is like, up here where we don't realize that, you know, our baseline is kind of this constant state of fight or flight. And what we want to do is reestablish that baseline down in parasympathetic rest and digest, right? We've all heard of fight or flight. And it's for, for me, rest and digest is like my go-to. And I've, it's amazing to me how many people hear that and they think, oh my God, I've never even heard that before. And I thought, wow, that just goes to show how common in our society, like fight or flight is almost praise. It's almost praised. Yeah.
0: Oh, you didn't take a lunch break because you're so busy. Good for you. Good
1: for you. you know,
0: the reality is that's not good for you. Exactly. So.
1: And it's interesting too, how scary it can feel for you know, our subconscious mind even to start to pull back from those things because we think, man, if I take this 20 minute break to really sit down and enjoy a meal for 20 full minutes, then I'm going to be behind. And then I'm going to, I don't know, lose all my money and be homeless and helpless and and just die. I, you know, that's like really what our subconscious mind or what I call the lizard brain goes to, right? We just think, man, if I release some of this control, then ultimate worst case scenario is going to happen. And I think a lot of this healing journey that you and I probably often see in a lot of our clients is this slowly releasing that, um incessant need, what I I say, like that grasping feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you feel like you're grasping at life and then you're spilling your coffee and then you're grasping for the towel and then you're grasping for another. And it's just this feeling of like, "Ah!" (laughs) Mm -hmm. probably a sign that you might be chronically stressed and it's probably affecting you more than you realize it. And sleep is something that um, I'm actually going to do a webinar on it this week because it is such a chronic Symptom that I think so much, so many people again just write off as normal. Oh, I don't sleep enough. Or we might know it's an issue and then we get sleep anxiety when we're laying in bed staring at the ceiling, but we don't know even where to begin. So Heather, let me ask you, do you have some examples or concrete offerings that you could give to somebody just on a general basis right now on their lifestyle to start implementing today to renew that baseline from fight or flight down to rest and digest?
0: the first thing I would say is do exactly what we did right before this is do some deep breathing. Um, I know that sounds like hokey or silly maybe, but breath work and breathing can do wonders for your body. Mm -hmm. So even if you just sit there, lay on the floor and put your hands on your belly and do four really deep breaths, you can reduce your stress response. Um, the next is something that I talk about with my clients often is their stress bucket. Mm -hmm. So what are the things in your stress bucket that are causing it to overflow? So, and what can you cut out? Maybe there's a relationship you need to cut out or an obligation that is causing you to then say no to yourself. Um, One way to frame it that I tell my clients is every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mm -hmm. So what is your best yes in that moment? And maybe the best yes is taking time for you or taking time for something that's going to help fill your bucket versus make it overflow. Um, or I guess make the bucket deeper so it doesn't overflow. Yeah. Um, so I would start with that, just taking a look at the obligations in your life as well as doing some deep
1: breathing and that can really do wonders for your stress levels. Isn't it amazing how, and and I get this feedback a lot as well, where people will say, wow, I'm shocked at how, simple this can be and yet I like to say small hinges swing really big doors you know it's those small tools that you can start implementing and it's amazing even I'm also a yoga teacher and teaching people how to breathe down into their belly is Mm -hmm. so uncommon for so many people and can actually almost like almost create a fear response at first because now we're we're no longer breathing up in our chest. We're breathing down with our diaphragm. And now we're getting this like flood of oxygen for the first time. And you start to feel a little, so (laughs) the disclaimer there is keep breath work simple, (laughs) especially if you're new to it, because you can feel physiological effects of that oxygen, you know, tingly fingers, tingly face. And, you know, just know that recalibrating your nervous system is a journey. And I think the journey to healing overall is, so there's so many misconceptions and dogmas so I'd love to ask you Heather what were maybe some of those misconceptions that you had to personally unlearn or relearn on your journey to healing
0: I think the biggest one was that I just needed to understand more about what foods were causing me symptoms and that's probably one of the number one things that my clients feel as well Mm. I was recently talking to a client this weekend, and she told me that when she joined my program, she thought that I was just going to teach her how to do her diet better. (laughs) The reality was, I didn't. Um, Of course, we talk about nutrition and fiber and the importance of all these nutrients for gut health. But that's a very small piece because... Most of the time people have tried every diet, they've tried every elimination plan, they've tried cutting out these certain food groups and they might feel better for two weeks and then they have their symptoms again and it's just this cyclical vicious cycle. So that's the biggest misconception both for me in the past as well as my current and um, previous clients is just maybe it's not what you're eating, maybe it's like we mentioned earlier, how you're digesting and absorbing your food, your motility, bacterial overgrowth, your stress levels. And maybe we need to focus more on that versus like
1: over-focusing on food. I love that so much, Heather. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I see is, or maybe like the missing piece, because I do see value in that healing container, right? I do, my gut health reset is an inflammatory elimination process. With the intention of then reintroducing the foods. And I think that's the big missing piece for so many people is they think, oh, I need to just eliminate these things and my symptoms will go away. When actually Mm -hmm. it's like, well, no, that's not at all. Like the deprivation scarcity mindset is probably what's leading to a lot of your stress levels. So creating that healing container, creating lifestyle shifts, and then maybe digging into maybe some of the foods, yes, that could be flaring up some of your symptoms, but Maybe if we also implement some of these lifestyle changes, you won't res- respond to those foods anymore in a way that you used to when chronic stress was adding to all these symptoms, right? So I think, like you said at the very beginning of this conversation, not only you mentioned advocacy, but also taking ownership, right? And taking accountability. And I think it takes a lot of bravery and courage to be able to say, okay, I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and I'm going to look at, my relationship with food, which is a reflection of my relationship with stress, which is a reflection of my relationship to myself and how I relate to others and how I relate to the, that which is greater than me, right? The way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you, what, what could happen? I mean, as I'm asking it, it almost feels obvious, but I would love to hear it from you. Like what could happen if someone were to just, never choose to take ownership, never choose to begin digging deeper, never choose to really look at their symptoms as no longer normal, but maybe something else is going on. Like what could possibly happen for somebody if they were not to do that?
0: I mean, the the sky's the limit, I guess. But I mean, you might not be able to live your best life, I guess, is the best way I could describe it. If If you're not willing to take a step deeper or to look further into what's going on, how could that be inhibiting you from doing everything you want in your life? And so I guess that's a good way to frame it. Um, You know, is that worth it to you? Um, Is it, is being able to do the things that you want to do of value, which I think for most people is.
1: Yeah. I always say like, you know, things never change if things don't change. So if you're happy with the way things are, then great. But if, if you're really not happy and finding yourself kind of complaining often and down in the dumps and feeling a bit victimized by it, then there is hope there is change and it does take courage and accountability and help and support. And luckily, you know, there are people out there who are willing to help just like yourself and myself, right? There's lots of like amazing humans out there right now who are willing to help. So um, yeah, it's that, it's that like, are you okay for settling with the mundane? And I think as energetic spiritual beings, like we yearn for more. So I think, you know, there's, there's kind of that, I do see the conversation in the world of health and wellness of, of, health and wellness of kind of deconstructing the go-go mindset, but I do see the value in wanting more and like redefining our desires. So I think a lot of it has to do with defining it for yourself first. Would you agree with that? Like defining your success, defining your top five values in life and honoring your yes and no's based on those values and, and really allowing yourself to just lay it all out there and say, man am I living my definition of success or am I trying to strive for somebody else's? And is that causing more stress in my life? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you
0: put it on paper and it's like, do these actions line up with my values? It's pretty clear. You know, one of the things I have my clients do is in the beginning is focus on their why, like, why are you doing this? Why do you want to get better? And why is it important to you? And why does it matter? And when you keep those things in mind, it helps motivate you to maybe make the changes to your lifestyle that need to be made so you can feel better
1: even on the hard days. yeah, when you wake up and you don't really want to do it. yeah, because our our brain will always choose what's pleasant, right? We'll always choose pleasure. and I think attaching to that why that big motivating factor, I call it the big mofa, <laughs> you know what's your big <laughs> mofa? It's like what is the big motivating factor here? And I would say, 99.9% of the time, it's not just that you want to lose weight. It's not just that you want to reduce these symptoms. Yes, that's that's a big piece of it, but there's something more underlying there, and it's probably some bigger calling in your life. You want to show up fully for your family. You want to show up fully for your kids. You want to be able to wake up feeling excited for the day to, you know, show up for the things that you feel passionate about and We've kind of been taught by society that there's certain ways to do those things. And in reality, I'm so grateful for people like you that are helping to redefine that conversation, you know, and to rewrite that conversation of what actually is success for us as individuals and can we own that? So Heather, I'm so appreciative of your time today and your knowledge and everything that you share. Where can our listeners come and find you? Thanks for
0: having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been fun. And the best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is at gutbrain.nutrition. You can also find my website, it's nourishfunctionalhealth.com.
1: Awesome. And we will definitely link that in the show notes below for anyone wanting to come connect with you and embark on your programs and journey with you. And, you know, I'm. as as a gut health coach, I so look up to you as well and everything that you share. And I'm so grateful for it again. So one last question here, Heather, I always love to ask everybody, what does the term optimal health mean to you?
0: I love that question. I think optimal health is when you're living true to your values, living your best life, however you want to put it, with the least amount of stress as possible. Um, and I guess another way to describe it would be your body's functioning in a way that is optimal um, and you're not having to necessarily like restrict or limit yourself as a result
1: yes all and more not either or right (laughs) well thank you again Heather I appreciate you I know how valuable and precious our time is in today's world of productivity and I couldn't be more grateful for yours today. If you feel that this episode was of value to you, I would be even more grateful if you were to share it with your people. Go ahead and copy and paste that link into messages. Smartphones make it super easy these days. Or if you're feeling really creative, pop a screenshot of the episode into your Instagram stories and send it on over to that person in your life who might need this boost of inspiration today. Don't forget to tag the podcast handle, let's start health and my personal account, the Yogi Yachty, so we can have all the fun connecting, building community and sharing all the things. Thank you again. And remember, be curious and unwavering on this journey to health.